following teaching is brought to you by Calvary Bible Church in Burbank, California. We trust that this recording will be a benefit to you and will be a challenge to your Christian faith and walk. For more information about Calvary Bible Church, see our website at calvarybiblechurch.org or call us at 818-556-4840. It's just a great blessing that we have to be able to express our joy and gratitude to the Lord Jesus in song. And to hear those who have such great talents and gifts and their faithfulness and desire to express that to us. And so again, thank you very much. Appreciate that. We gather tonight, again, not just to celebrate the spirit of Christmas and not just to sing and to hear some familiar songs and not just to uh, listen to and experience and appreciate the talents and skills of, of those who can sing and play. We've come tonight to sing about, to listen about, to praise a person. We've come tonight to joyfully declare what Jesus has done and who he is. The theme of this year's concert, as you see on the screen behind me, is, and his name shall be called. And we've heard and sung many songs which tell of his name and its meaning, its significance. A wonderful counselor, mighty God, Prince of Peace, Eternal Father. If you remember when the baby was still growing in Mary's womb, that the angel had instructed Joseph in a dream uh, what to name him. He, he said, if you remember, call his name Jesus, right? For he will, why? Why to call his name Jesus? He will save his people from their sins. Jesus being Latin form of the Hebrew name Joshua, Yeshua, Deliverer, Savior, And in the Bible, someone's name was more than just a personal designation to distinguish them from other people. No, the name also represented a person's character, reputation, authority, their person. And we've been reminded tonight that Jesus' name not only embodies the fact that he is Savior, but that he is so much more. When the apostles proclaimed the name of Jesus, they turned Jerusalem And eventually the world upside down. Just after Peter's first sermon, thousands of people came to trust in that name. One day, Peter and John, when they went to the temple, not long after that first amazing sermon at Pentecost, they went to the temple and they saw a lame man who had not been able to walk since the day he was born. And he was begging in front of the temple area. And as they came by, Peter saw him and said to him, I have no money, I have no silver or gold, but in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, I say to you, rise up and walk. And indeed, he walked. He exalted in God, leaping for joy. Now, when Peter said to him, and it's in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk, that's what he told the crowd that had gathered around in amazement, that he said it was in the name of Jesus that this man had been healed. When he said that, Peter didn't mean that that the word Jesus was some magical incantation, that if you just speak Jesus, you can do these special things, these miracles. No, Peter was saying that he was acting on behalf of, in the name of, under the authority of Jesus Christ. And it was by Jesus that this man had been healed. It's the same Jesus that many in the crowd had called out for his crucifixion just a couple of months earlier. It is the same Jesus who then rose from the dead. 
Well, that event had created quite a stir, and the religious authorities were not too happy about the apostles, uh, Peter and John, spreading the name. In fact, they took hold of them, threw them in prison to spend the night to think about it. And then the next day, they appeared before the Sanhedrin. That's the leading religious council in Israel made up of Pharisees and Sadducees, high priests, the high priest Caiaphas, and several other priests. And so Peter and John, that next day, they're thrust before this religious group. This group, by the way, the same exact group who had condemned Jesus to die. And it is in front of those same men that they are asked a question by this council. By what name or under whose authority, by what power did you do this work? Speaking of the man who'd been healed, he was there with them. Now, if it was the Peter of the night of the crucifixion who responded, if it was the Peter who had denied Christ who answered, that Peter might have said something like, oh, we're so sorry for creating a disturbance. We we had no, no idea. We just saw this poor guy sitting there and I wanted to do something. I didn't have any money and so... I won't do it again. I won't cause any more trouble. But no, it was not that Peter standing before the Sanhedrin, was it? It was the Peter who had seen the risen Lord. It was the Peter who had experienced Christ's forgiveness. It was the Peter who had been empowered by the Holy Spirit to boldly proclaim the truth. And it was that Peter who said these words to the Sanhedrin council in Acts 4, 8. We read, rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands before you in good health. He, that is Jesus, is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the very cornerstone. In Peter's response, he repeats several times the name. It's a key focus of his. And Peter essentially is answering them. You you want a name? I'll give you a name. I'll give you the name. Jesus. That is the power. That is authority. That is on behalf of whom this miracle was done. You remember that name, right? Jesus. You remember him? He's the one you condemned to a cross. And he is the one who rose from the dead, showing that all that he said was true. He's still alive. And it is that Jesus that we represent. He is the one who healed this man. And then Peter ended his statement with this profound declaration about Jesus. It's one I want to focus our attention on. He said in Acts 4 verse 12, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Those words, salvation and saved, that Peter used there actually come from the same Greek word as the word he used a moment ago to speak of the the lame man who had been healed. He had been made well. It's a word that means to rescue from danger, to rescue from disease, from death, to deliver, to save. And so what Peter's doing here in his response to the Sanhedrin is he's really turning the attention from the beggar to them. For he's essentially telling them, this beggar had a physical disease from which only Jesus could heal him. You have a spiritual disease, as seen by your murderous rejection of the Savior. You have a spiritual disease that can only be healed by Jesus. And that spiritual disease that the the leaders all had, the religious leaders, is the same disease that we all have. 
It's called sin. The Bible clearly says that all have sinned, that, that there is none righteous, not even one, that all of us have rebelled against God. And I can tell you from first-hand experience, I have disobeyed God many times in my thoughts, in my words, in my actions. And if you're honest, you have too, right? All of us have sinned. You know, these days there's uh, much concern over the Ebola virus. And, and well, there should be. It's a dangerous disease. It's a deadly disease. But you know, there are many who have survived it. But not so is the case with the disease of sin. None will survive. None can escape. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. It's in Romans 6.23. And it's speaking more than just a physical death. It's speaking of a spiritual death. An eternal torment. An eternal state of destruction in hell forever. But as we've heard and sung tonight, Jesus Christ came to take that judgment Upon himself for any who would believe. That's why he hung on the cross. That is why he shed his blood. That is why the son of God who committed no sin was willing to be treated as one who had sinned by being put to death on that cross. He was being treated as one of the worst of criminals. And if you confess to God that you're a sinner, if you desire to turn from that sin and put your trust in Jesus alone, if you commit your life to follow him by his grace. He'll forgive you. He'll take away that sin. He'll wash it away so you won't be judged. He will give you eternal life. He will give you eternal fellowship with the God who created you. He will save you. But as Peter clearly said, emphatically, that this salvation is only through Jesus Christ. There's no good works, there's no religious system, there's no set of rituals, there's no person, no religious leader, no act, no declaration, there's no belief system apart from the Lord Jesus Christ that can save you. Peter again said it emphatically, there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. So friends, Peter is very clear That Jesus and only Jesus can rescue your soul from eternal death. Jesus and only Jesus can free you from the power of sin. Jesus and only Jesus can allow you to stand before God uncondemned. Jesus and only Jesus can give you a relationship with God full of joy, peace, without shame. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy 2, There is one God and one mediator. Also between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ. Again, Jesus is the only one that can go before God on your behalf. God's not going to listen to anyone else. He's not going to even allow anyone else to enter. Only Jesus Christ, his son, can come before him and declare someone forgiven by his blood on the cross. But this is not a message that people like to hear today. This narrow minded, exclusive. What do you mean Jesus only? In fact, I was just talking to uh, somebody last Sunday. So we were going out door to door and handing out some of the uh, flyers for the concert tonight. And I got into a conversation with a man and and we were talking. And uh, as I talked about the fact there's a God who made all of us, he was in general agreement with that. And when I said, and we're all accountable to him since he is the one who made us, 
He agreed with that too. And then he even began to nod his head when I said, all of us have sinned, we've all done wrong. But then he stopped nodding when I said, God sent his son Jesus Christ to forgive us our sin and that he's the only way. In fact, it was at that point he said abruptly, now that I disagree with. He was okay with everything else. He was fine with everything that I had said, everything that the Bible had communicated until I said the name. Until I'd said what the Bible says, that only through Jesus Christ can we be forgiven. And he's not alone in that belief. Our our culture extols the virtue of being open-minded. Many embrace the notion that there are multiple ways to know God, that there are many paths to experience bliss in the next life, that there are many ways to truth. But just because I may want that to be the case doesn't make it true, right? Just because I want there to be alternate paths, just because I want to be able to choose my own path, doesn't mean that that is true. Jesus himself said this. This is Jesus speaking. He said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, there's that statement, that emphatic statement, no one can come to the Father but through me. So friends, Buddha cannot remove your sin. Muhammad cannot bring you forgiveness. Praying to Mary cannot make you right with God. Vishnu cannot give you eternal life. Science cannot free you from the power of sin. The impotent Jesus of the Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses cannot save you. Only the Lord Jesus Christ, only Jesus of the Bible can bring you eternal life. And so my question to you tonight is, What or who are you relying on to be saved? You know that there is a God. You know that there is right and wrong. You know that you're going to die someday. And you know that you'll continue to exist after death. So are you just hoping that on the other side of that coffin, everything's going to pan out? That you've done enough good, that you've, you've been a, a good person enough, that you have followed a, a path of, of good works enough that you're going to be okay on the other side? What or who are you relying on? And I know I've been pretty blunt tonight, pretty direct. Maybe I've upset some of you. I've heard that that's happened other nights. But you know, I, I say these things because Jesus said them. Your soul matters to me, but more importantly, your soul matters to him. It matters so much that he does not wish for any to perish in hell, but for all to come to repentance. It matters so much that by his love, he became a man, lived among us and sacrificed himself. And so Jesus and only Jesus offers you what nobody else can. Complete joy, perfect peace, unhindered fellowship With God for eternity, total forgiveness. And again, he loved you enough to sacrifice himself to make that possible. He suffered not only physical death on our behalf, but he took upon himself the weight, the wrath of God for our sin, which is an eternity in hell. He took that upon himself out of love for you and a desire to glorify his father. Indeed, all who call upon His name and only His name will be saved. I was reminded just a couple days ago how important it is to make sure that you have 
made peace with God because you never know when he might take you. I was watching a little video soccer match, I think down in Peru or something, and there was a lightning bolt that struck a, a guy on the field in an instant. All, we, all you saw in the video was just this smoke and this guy laying on the ground. Do you think he expected to get hit by lightning that day? God, in his timing, has a plan for each one of us the day that we're born and the day that we die. Make sure that you get right with your Maker. And embrace the salvation He offers through His Son, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Lord, may You, I hope that You have been pleased tonight with what we have sung and the manner in which it has been sung. Lord, we desire to exalt and praise You and thank You, not because we are anything, but because You are everything. And Lord, it isn't that... We have, through our careful search and diligence, found this truth. You have found us. It's by Your grace and mercy only that we are here. It's by Your grace and mercy only that we could be offered salvation through the precious gift of Your Son. And I would pray and ask, Lord, and beg, Father, that You would please, by Your Spirit, move in every heart here that no one, God, would leave here without responding to You. That if there are any who do not know You, if there are any who have lived life apart from you, that, God, you would open their eyes to understand and to embrace and to accept and to confess their sin to you, to desire to be forgiven, that by your Spirit you would change them. Lord, again, this night is for you. Jesus, again, thank you. Amen.